Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Let's welcome in our next guest from CBS Sports at Corey Joel on Twitter, former NFL agent, current NFL guru, salary cap expert. The man has carved out a hell of a niche of educating all of us media types on what we don't know. Joel Corey with me on CBS Sports Radio. What's up, Joel? It's been a long time, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing very well. So there's a ton that I want to get into, including your most recent piece on paying running backs. But I want to welcome you into a conversation that I had in the first hour of the show, which is basically the NFL seems to struggle with consistency when it comes to punishment for player conduct off the field. Um, Tyree Kill and Ezekiel Elliott, different cases, but neither will uh, experience any sort of discipline. I'm curious from the agent's perspective what you think or how agents feel about how the NFL on a league level doles out discipline for things that happen off the field. Um, Well, Roger Goodell was not a fan of agents and players when he took over for Paul Tagliabue because he became the law and order commissioner and made the personal personal conduct of players his own baby. And that's been a problem from day one. Um, That's really an issue which should be like in the NBA where it's collectively bargained, where the union and the league agrees on what the policies are. And... If you're not going to have it be collectively bargained, at the very least, from an appeal standpoint, the appeal should be through an independent arbitrator, not also from the guy deciding the punishment originally or one of his designees. Right. He makes the punishment and then hears the appeal. I'm wondering what you would think or what you think players would think if we removed it from the league and put it on the teams. Like, If a member of the Seahawks does something off the field, that's an employer-employee issue, and that is up for the Seahawks to decide punishment. And if the player thinks the punishment was unfair, then it could be appealed to a league level. Um, Not realistic, because arguably through paragraph 15 of the uh, standard player contract, the uh it's an integrity of the game clause it deals more for gambling than anything else but there's a broad catch-all in there where it, it could be argued that he gives the commissioner the right to discipline players for other conduct besides stuff which would relate to bribing players through gambling and stuff like that or the whole tom brady messing with the footballs the, the flake gate stuff so I don't think that's really workable, but if you did go that route, then you're not going to have a uniform policy. Teams have to set out what club discipline is um, before the beginning of the year in a policy manual, so it had to be in there, but you would have inconsistent penalties from team to team to team. Well, we have inconsistent penalties now. Yeah, but that's more of a league-wide problem, which could be solved more easily than you have if it's going to be a team-by-team basis, because you could have one team which has no penalty for something that another team actually would have a harsher penalty for. So there's got to be some sort of 
uniformity. And I know right now it's basically the commissioner does whatever he wants, but I don't think you solve the problem by going the team route. Do you feel like I do that it seems like if these incidents would have happened two, three years ago, there would have been punishment, but maybe Roger Goodell is reacting and saying, hey, it's not in the league's best interest to take Ezekiel Elliott and Tyreek Hill off the field. So unless I'm faced with overwhelming evidence, now I'm actually going to ease off on my crusade of discipline. Well, yeah, it would. I think it would have been worse um, two, three years ago. Part of the thing is anytime he doles out a uh, penalty, um, people will conflate it with what is in the drug policy, which is the uh, come up jointly through the NFLPA right. and the NFL. So they'll start looking at it. Well, this guy's getting a four-game suspension for smoking marijuana, but in order to get to a four-game suspension under the drug policy, it takes some work. That's not your first offense in a steroid policy. It is. But I think that's part of the problem right there, that people conflate the types of discipline. But that being said, I think part of it is if it's a harsh penalty, it's automatically going to get appealed. And then you got that whole problem that it's going to be more or less a rubber stamp of the original discipline because of who decides it. So if you take the independent, make an independent arbitrator, the person who oversees the appeals process, then there would be less blowback on Goodell when he makes a penalty because there would be some sort of check on whether the penalty was too harsh or too lenient. Former sports agent, NFL contract, and salary cap expert Joel Corey with CBS Sports on CBS Sports Radio right now. So Tyreek Hill has been cleared to resume all team activities with the Chiefs. He's got a year left on his deal. He is one of the best big play, if not the best big play players in all of the NFL. Assuming the Chiefs want to work out a contract extension with him to keep Pat Mahomes' main downfield target with their young quarterback, how will a Tyreek Hill contract extension be complicated by his off-field concerns? Well, the Chiefs know more about what's going on than any of us, so that'll be interesting to see when they resume negotiations because he was reportedly in line to get some blockbuster contract, uh, which would have made him, if not the highest-paid receiver, one of them. Um, I think it's going to be affected more structurally in overall dollars. Um I'm not giving this guy a huge signing bonus uh, just from the information I know. They know a lot more. But I'm also not doing the conventional chief structure. We have the second year fully guaranteed at signing, and the third year uh, will vest in the second year. Uh, No, I'm going to have it more year-to-year. I'm going to have huge per-game roster bonuses. I'm going to make the language for the guarantees voiding more onerous or more ways for the guarantees to void than I normally do. but if he wants a huge signing bonus, then I want a discount on the dollars. Um, but um, if he's going to go and be more, give us a more team-friendly structure, then, yeah, we can kind of backload the contract a little bit more. But the Chiefs are going to have, I would imagine, more protections in this contract than they would otherwise. So you think it'll be a complicated negotiation, it sounds like? Um, yeah, because if I'm the agent, I'm going to go, hey, well, he's not being disciplined by the NFL, so we shouldn't have this contract deviate from what we'd be doing normally structurally. We're talking to Joel Corey, former NFL agent. Two high-profile holdouts uh, potentially happening at running back with Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott. 
I know you wrote about this, but for the radio audience, which of those players do you think is more likely to have their holdout result in a contract extension? Yeah, if they both hold out, I think Ezekiel is in a better position than Melvin Gordon because he is the focal point of the Dallas Cowboys offense. And Stephen Jones is a bit of that. He calls him the straw that stirs the drink. Um, in San Diego, um, not San Diego, L.A. now, um, Melvin Gordon is a very good back in his own right. But people talk about the running game of having the one of the best running back duos in the league, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Um, they were 4-0 again, and won three games against teams with winning records last year while Melvin Gordon was out. They're better with him on the field than out. But he's not the most important. The quarterback's obviously the most important offensive player just by nature of position. But Ezekiel is the engine that drives the train. In Dallas, that's not the case for the Chargers with Melvin Gordon. How do you feel about the viability of, in this NFL, given the injury risk that happens at that position, how relatively fungible it is? I know as an agent, your job is to get your client the most money, but as a fan, it doesn't seem to be very prudent to pay big money and a huge percentage of your salary cap to a running back. Yeah, personally, I understand why a running back is going to hold out um, as his rookie contract progresses. Because you have a shorter shelf life at the position. It's one of the most physically physically demanding positions. You can't be like a left tackle and get paid in your mid to late 30s like um, Dwayne Browns and the Andrew Whitworths of the world. So, yeah, you should try to strike while you think the iron is hot. But at the same time, if I'm a, from the team perspective, I'm never paying a running back. I'm not, you have to be an extremely special running back. You're going to have to be a combination of. Jim Brown, Barry Sanders, and whomever else you want to throw in there for me to pay a running back top dollar. I just wouldn't do it. What I would do if I have a first-round running back, I'm going to let you play the fifth-year option. I'm going to run you into the ground. If it makes sense, I'm going to franchise you until it doesn't make sense anymore and try to draft my draft a replacement along the way. Um, but I don't blame these guys for trying to get their money when they can. No, I I don't either, but I, it seems like on a personal level, feel the same way that you do. And Todd Gurley, he resets the market at running back, and now he's got chronic knee tendinitis at 24. Like, I don't know if there's a better poster child for the dangers of paying a running back than Todd Gurley. Well, he came in injured because the only reason we knew Nick Chubb was really good as a freshman was because Todd Gurley tore his ACL. So we already had a guy that had a question mark from an injury standpoint, he got drafted as a top 10 pick despite the torn ACL. So what does that tell you how the Rams thought about him um, coming in? And if you're going to do what, if you're going to pay a running back, that's kind of the proper situation from the standpoint that you don't have a high priced quarterback. At least they've had a couple of years to spread out the cap hit um, before presumably you're going to pay Jared Goff and he's going to have huge cap numbers on the book. So, Gurley may only may only play one year with a huge cap number for Jared Goff on the books. Joel, do you think that there? I know Le'Veon Bell argued on this behalf, you know, to don't treat me like a running back, treat me like a receiver. Also, you know, we're we're going in this direction of more pass happy offenses. There's issues with uh, defensive end and li- outside linebacker franchise tech. Do you think there is a time in the not-too-distant future where guys will not be pigeonholed by their position and they will be compensated based on their production? 
Uh, good luck trying to uh, transcend your position from a pay standpoint. The only way, only people who do that are pass rushers. Pass rushers get paid a premium regardless of whether you are a 4-3 defensive end, a 3-4 outside linebacker, or an interior defensive lineman who puts pressure on the quarterback consistently. Um, I don't think we're going to get to that point. I think what happens at running back is unless you are a three-down running back that is a big receiving threat out of the backfield, you have. No, I don't think you have any shot of being paid at the top of the market. The guy I'm going to be curious to see after this year is Derrick Henry. He's not a huge threat in the passing game, but second half of the year, last year he was great running the football. He actually kind of benefits from not getting a whole lot of action the first two years because of DeMarco Murray because he has less wear and tear on his body than he would have if he came in and had been a workhorse back from day one. Joel Corey, former NFL agent with great stuff here. You can read him at CBSSports.com. He's on the Danny Parkin Show right now on CBS Sports Radio. So I'm here in Chicago. I'm fascinated on Mitch Trubisky and his entire quarterback class, obviously headlined by Pat Mahomes and then Deshaun Watson, no slouch either. Carson Wentz made headlines, signed early, got a big number, but if he would have played it out, maybe could have gotten even more money. How do you think that quarterback contract informs the aforementioned three guys that I mentioned that are up for extension at the end of this season? Um, not really, because he's a little unique from the standpoint that Wentz has durability concerns in a much to much greater degree than anybody else. Watson did uh, have, his, have a season cut short. Uh, Trubisky hasn't had any. Um, so his dated back to college, because Wentz didn't even play his whole senior year in college. Right. I understand why it was done the way it was. If I'm Watson and Trubisky, I don't do anything until Patrick Mahomes signs. Um, I fully expect Patrick Mahomes, as long as he doesn't fall on his face this year, to become the first $40 million per year player in the NFL. And I'd let him do that and then try to – I don't think you're going to be able to top Mahomes if he does anything in the same ballpark as this year, but you can draft under him. And and then you think that there's a chance that th- so that resets the market, but then guys like that who are coming up behind him get more money than you know the Matt Stafford, Russell Wilsons of the of the world, and they, they can slot and like kind of reset the market. Yeah, because we already we've already seen that the guy who set the market last year has already been surpassed. That um, right, Aaron Rodgers late in the preseason, thirty three and a half million was the base value of the average. Then Russell Wilson goes past that, and then Ben Roethlisberger goes past some Aaron Rodgers. So I've always said as an agent, high-end contracts are made to be surpassed, and the quarterback market has been going through a phenomenon, at least once you had the huge jump starting um, with Derek Carr, that the next guy up became the highest-paid player, at least from a temporary standpoint, until the next guy leapfrogged him. Um, You haven't seen that kind of stop with Russell Wilson because – Roethlisberger and Wentz didn't get over him. Um, But Mahomes, that's going to be the guy I expect to hit the $40 million per year mark. And if it's 40, if it goes 35 to 40, you're not going to see anyone jump Mahomes overnight, but you will see people probably come in between those two numbers. 
And that feel, like we, I asked you for your editorial opinion on paying running backs. I'm curious the same thing on quarterbacks because that feels prudent to me given how much the cap goes up every year. Like You should, if you've got a guy that you like, it feels like you should be willing to pay top of the market at that position. Yeah, if it's a guy that you think you can win with um, or it's a guy that you win because of, ideally a guy you win because of as opposed to just win with, you, you pay him. And part of what drives the quarterback salaries is fear of the unknown. That if you have a competent quarterback, most teams are going to hold on to him because they are afraid of finding out what the alternative is. Um, to me, what should have been the test case of quarterback running was Joe Flacco. After he played four games out of his mind and got paid, he's never come remotely close to that level again. It would have been interesting if the Ravens had franchised him, auctioned him off, and started a new then. But that's just not how the quarterback position works. If you got one that you think you can win with or is going to keep you in contention, you pay him. Joel Corey, I love talking to you. You always make us smarter. Read him at CBSSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Corey Joel. That's C-O-R-R-Y-J-O-E-L. Joel, thank you very much for the time and the insight. Sure. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 